We are in our third week of a series called Crash Course. We took a, a break, a, a pit stop last week for Mike Nesbitt to come and preach for us. Thank you, Mike. Um, but if you're anything like me, the Bible can be scary. Because the Bible is indeed 66 books, if we go way back to our crash course number one. It is 66 books, and within those 66 books are chapters, and within those chapters are verses, and there's a whole lot of them. (laughs) So the intention of this series, and then with the book that we are reading together on Wednesday nights, is to learn a little bit about the book that we read every single week. Because if we don't know about it, why does it matter to us? I love the phrase that Rob Bell uses in his book. Instead of figuring out how to read the Bible literally, let's figure out how to read it literately. When we talk about it being a library of books, you may have uh, either read that on the front cover of Rob Bell's book, or you might have heard me say that a few weeks ago, a library of books is what we call the Bible. In my head, I flash back to my second or third grade Sunday school class, and on the back of the Lifeway curriculum was an image that looked like, oh, hold on, that looked like this. Have you seen something like this before? Maybe not. I'll explain to you what it is. This is if you took the books of the Bible and you put them on a bookshelf in their groupings. Does someone have a picture of this back there? This helps me still think about the different genres of literature we read in the Bible. So, You'll see on the left side is the Old Testament. On that top shelf, you'll see the Torah. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are some of the foundations of our faith. It's what um, our Jewish friends still read uh, in, in synagogue or temple or what have you. Um, their scriptures are part of our scriptures as well. The next line down, those purple books that you see are history books, and those are boring. Uh, Joshua judges Ruth, First and Second Samuel, uh, lots of history books, and we'll come back and touch on those in just a minute. Um, there was a but between the Torah and what we'll talk about today as the prophets. There was this era. That one of my favorite ways to describe it is going from kinship to kingship. You'll remember those very first five books, a lot of them were about survival. How do we find the land, keep the land? They were about the survival of a people with a God in this land. But it was all about survival of your family. Everything came back to the family unit. But there is this transition from kinship to kingship. When things grow, we need a little bit different organization to figure out how to run things, right? That includes churches, too. When things grow, 
sometimes we have growing pains. The same concept uh, that we read about in the historical books in the Bible, we still deal with in 2022. You'll see some poetry and some wisdom literature, and then we get to those orange-yellow books you'll see down there. And those books are actually uh, what we are going to focus on today. If we zoom a little bit more, you'll see the major prophets and the minor prophets. We're not going to go into all the details of those, but there are 17 books that are considered prophets in Scripture. 17. There are 66 books in the Bible Rebecca, you're the math teacher. Um, that's, that's more than a quarter, right? Okay, that's more than a quarter of the books of the Bible that are prophets. But really, the only time we start to pay attention to the prophets, the first Sunday in Advent, God told us this was going to happen, here comes Jesus, right? <laughs> But if it's a quarter of our canon, I feel like it should hold a little bit more to us than just that first Sunday in Advent. There's a book by Richard B. Hayes, who is a New Testament scholar, um, most recently serving at Duke Divinity School. There's a book called Reading Backwards, Figural Christology and the Fourfold Gospel Witness. You never have to repeat that phrase again. But what he gives you in the very last part of that book are 10 ways to read scripture as Christians. I'm not going to give you all 10, but I'm going to give you the first and the third. And someday we'll sit down and we'll talk through all 10, but not, not here. Here's how he says we should read scripture or read backwards, if you will, because we know the end, right? We know that Christ came, uh, lived, died, and rose again. So here's how we read that into the Old Testament. First, he says, a gospel-shaped reading necessarily entails reading backwards, reinterpreting Israel's scripture in light of the story of Jesus. But here's another one of his points talking about the Gospels, the evangelists, he calls them, the evangelists' diverse imaginative uses and transformations of the Old Testament text summon us to a conversion of the imagination. I love that phrase. The Gospels should summon us to a conversion of imagination. There are typically two, uh, two books that I use. I went ahead too far. There are typically two books that I use when I'm looking at the prophets, that I try to read alongside when I'm reading from uh, the scriptures that we call the prophets. There's two. One of them is called The Social World of the Hebrew Prophets. Remember that title. Uh, Social World of the Hebrew Prophets. That's by Victor Matthews, if you'd like a good read. But the second one is called The Prophetic Imagination. And that's by Walter Brueggemann, who is just tops. But I feel like you should never judge a book by its cover, but maybe judge these books by their titles, because I feel like that's how we should read the prophets at any given time. The social world of the Hebrew prophets and the prophetic imagination. 
meaning that there is a social reality to what the prophets are doing and speaking. And there's also a divine imagination in their words and how they're speaking to their time and age. Again, think about that. There is a social reality to what they're doing and a divine imagination. Wouldn't that make for a great church? Dr. Anathea Portier-Young, who's an Old Testament scholar, says that prophets have an ear to God and an ear to the people. It's not easy to be a prophet. It's not a sought-after position, believe it or not. So first, we are going to talk about, just briefly, about prophets, and then just barely touch on prophecies, because there's, there's stuff we need to know about the prophets before we talk about what they're giving us and what they say. Here's what Walter Brueggemann says first. He says, the role of a prophet is to keep alive the ministry of the imagination. There's that imagination word again. What does it mean if you have a lively imagination? What, what does that mean? Give me some. Do none of you all have, did all the children leave? Is that why? Okay. Being creative. A lively imagination. What else? You write Star Wars. You write Star Wars. <laughs> Something not of this world. Okay, great, Carl. Yeah. Anything else? What does it mean to have a lively imagination? Oh, you can reframe what is into what it should be. Good. It's easier to escape reality. <laughs> you think outside the box. Sometimes you don't know what's right and what's not right. I thought you were going to say sometimes you don't know up from down, which could be true too, I guess. That's the role of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination. There are several types of prophets. Um, some of them have book titles, some of them don't. Uh, so you may have heard of Abraham, Moses, Aaron, or Miriam. I hope you've heard of at least one of those, one of those folks. Um, they have been referred to as prophets, but really uh, we talk about them as ancestors of our faith more. You may have heard prophets spoken of as Deborah and Samson, but really the more accurate term could be heroes of our faith. In the book of Chronicles, the author talks about the Levites being uh, prophets. Actually, they're, they're more like priests. Uh, uh, Matthew says that they're actually temple functionaries. What? Something to put on your name tag, right? Temple functionaries. And then some of the later prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi were visionaries. Also considered prophets, but visionaries. Two uh, main things about prophets is that they had a purpose, and they had a distinct call. Their purpose was a few things. It was first to analyze survival 
amidst chaos that rattled or destroyed culture. They analyzed survival. The second thing was that they challenged leadership. They challenged the leadership of of the government or the structures that were of the day. Um, They were also egalitarian, meaning they believed all were equal. They did not succumb to a patriarchal or a a monarchy. Uh, They believed that all were equal. Part of that was, a part of their purpose was that they prevented monarchs from becoming absolute in their power. So economically, monarchs of the the family, the the tribes, remember we went from kinship into kingship or monarchship as Matthews talks about. The monarchs were thought to be stewards of the divine economy. The prophets were supposed to come along and say, not quite. So economically, the prophets could play a part. Judicially, landowners held more power uh, because if you have land, you get to vote. Speak. Yes, great. Speak. Um, So typically, if you held land, that also meant you were higher economically than others or higher politically and powerfully than others. Um, So the prophets would come in um, and, and challenge that as well. Sometimes prophets were used in a warfare setting as a messenger. They would bring communications to and from the other side. They might negotiate. They might serve as runners for announcements or even my favorite bodyguards. But all prophets uniquely had a calling from God. They were compelled by God, not with their own message, but with a divine message they had to share. They were compelled to share. That call story encased five things. It was an encounter from God, a greeting from God, an objection to God's call. Then there was a commissioning, an empowering moment from God. Prophecies, as opposed to the prophets, they are a new call to an alternate reality. Remember that imagination, a new call to an alternate reality. They begin by telling us just how alternate this God is to our thinking. Regimes will fall, chaos will come, but God will work in these new beginnings. If we, just, if we zoom in just a little bit, we look at Jeremiah and Isaiah. We'll look at some big ones. Jeremiah's call was to address the numbness of the culture to death. Jeremiah felt grief because he knew that the end of his people were coming, and he also knew that no one was listening. Prophets were called to prevent death, but remember, their call was from God. So even when no one listened, they continued to preach. Or maybe we could talk about Isaiah. Isaiah, who came into this despair and tried to change his people's hearts because they wouldn't receive 
newness. Actually, the book of Isaiah, we can talk about in 1st Isaiah and 2nd Isaiah, because there's actually two books that were put together that we call Isaiah. And in the second part of Isaiah, the prophet energized his people into a fresh faith. That may have all gone over your head, and that's okay. Here's the point. The prophets are a quarter of our scripture. So they must be telling us something that we're supposed to learn if they are a quarter of our canon. They must be stories that are supposed to be retold over and over again if they are in the Bible. So I wonder... Do you have an imagination? Judging by earlier, some of you all do not. (laughs) So let me ask it like this. Are you open to newness? Are you convinced that death is inevitable? You want to say no, I'm not convinced. But maybe you are. Are you numb to death? Not to death of a person necessarily. How would you know? If you were numb, who do you trust? Not who do you like, but who do you trust to tell you if you are numb to death? Who do you trust to tell you when death or a lack of new life is present around you? The prophets are about a people who have lost their imagination. They've lost their energy to dream. They've lost their desire to take risks. Their willingness to do something bold or dangerous is under the guise that if everything does not stay the same, then it has to fail. So the prophet comes in to remind us that if everything stays the same, we will fail. I love Ridgewood because in our congregation, there are people who have been here five minutes and there are people who have been here five decades and everything in between. And for the most part, a lot of us share some church hurt. Maybe if it wasn't even to us, to someone that we love. So I wonder if you've been at Ridgewood long enough to tell the tales. 20, 30 years ago, when there are stories of Ridgewood almost closing their doors, that some of you all still bear the scars of, What did you imagine the future would be? Did you imagine it would be staying the same but just living forward in time? Or here's here's the flip side. Maybe you've been at Ridgewood five or ten minutes or five or ten years or anywhere in between. I wonder if at some point you left a church or you left the church Did you ever imagine 
you'd come back to it? I wonder if we are being called to dig in to newness. If the reason we still have prophets in our canon is so we can continue to dig into our imagination. The stories the prophets retold was that if you let yourself dream, if you let yourself believe there is something ahead, if you let yourself receive newness rather than what always has been, if you release yourself from numbness and the expectation of death, then maybe even in an intensely political world, you will catch sight of the divine imagination. So maybe, like the prophets, if we can embrace an ending, we could also permit a new beginning. Are you open to hearing a prophet? Are you open to reading the prophetic word? Are you open to a vision of newness or a word of imagination or a calling to creativity or a desire for something bigger than what is just holding steady? Do you want to see things in a new way.